But this is what I want to do. Last week, we began a series of messages on the four Gospels. We understood last week that each writer of the Gospels all told the good news about Jesus, but they they done it from their own focus point. And I, I we talked about that last week, and they looked at different different focuses in Jesus' life, and they they wrote their gospel of Jesus' life according to what they were noticing about his life. Last week, when we went over the book of Matthew, or part of the book of Matthew, we saw that his focus was on the kingship of Jesus. The king is here was the title of the message. Because Jesus came and he walked among the Jewish people and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. Repent, the king is here. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, came preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist came and was preaching. Repent, be saved, the king is here. So that's what we talked about last week, that the Old Testament foretold that the Messiah, the king, was going to come to the nation of Israel, and Jesus is that king, and he is here. That was the focus last week. So today we're going to continue on that focus, not that the king is here, but if you're going to have a king, you must have a kingdom. And if you're going to have a kingdom, you have got to have a people. So we're going to look at this this morning, we're going to look at that point of the kingdom. Now, I just want to go ahead and, and each week that I preach on this series, I want to introduce each one of the focuses. Mark's focus in Mark, the book of Mark was that Jesus was a servant. He come as a servant to serve. He came to serve you and I. And in order for him to serve us, in order for him to provide salvation for you and me, he had to be a suffering servant. He came and he gave his life on the cross as a servant gives to serve. The, the book of Luke focused on Jesus' manhood, that he was human. Luke kept using the term the Son of Man all through the book of Luke. Talks about how Jesus was a man, how he saw that Jesus was thirsty because he was a man. He was hungry. He got tired. He wept. He, he was just like me and you. He experienced what it was. He was born a physical birth. That's why the book of Luke records Jesus' physical birth and everything that went in. That's why it records his genealogy all the way back to Adam in the Bible. So we see that, that his focus was on that he was the Son of Man. But then the last book of the Gospels, John, his focus was on that Jesus is deity or that Jesus is royalty. He uses the term in the book of John over and over and over, the Son of God. And Jesus was every one of these, all at the same time. So that's what we are going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. Again, we're going to look again this morning as Jesus is the king. And I mentioned that in order to be a king, you have to have a kingdom. And you also, that's which, which includes land or property. And you, almost, you also have to have a people. So 
before we get to the little meat of the message here, let's, let me lay a foundation real quick. We need to understand that in the Old Testament, it tells us that this Messiah or this King is going to come. And so let's look and see what the Old Testament says that this kingdom is going to look like and what the properties of this kingdom is going to be. So again, I wish that, that we had these scriptures up on the screen. Maybe if you want to trace these down or track them down, go ahead and get you a pen and a piece of paper out because I'm going to just give you the scriptures and, and read through it. I'm not going to wait for you to turn to them just for the sake of time. But in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, Daniel is, what he is doing here is he is interpreting a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has had. Many of you will know this dream. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he saw this image. And this was an image of a man. The head of this image was gold. The chest was silver. The belly and the thighs were made out of brass. The legs were made of iron. And the feet were made of iron and clay. Now, so Daniel has given this dream, this interpretation of this dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And when he gets to the end of that dream, notice what he says in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. And it says, In the days of these kings, now he is referring to the interpretation of this dream. These, these iron legs and this brass waist and thighs and the silver chest and the gold head all represented kingdoms. The feet that were iron and clay represented kingdoms. So in Daniel 2 and 44 it says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. In other words, Daniel is talking about these kingdoms that are represented on this earthly kingdom are going to come to an end, and God is going to establish a kingdom that will stand forever. That kingdom is the kingdom that he's talking about, that Jesus the Son will come and, and, and be the king over. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Again it says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came in the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, ancient of days referring to God the Father, and they brought him near before him. In other words, Jesus is coming in a cloud, brought before Almighty God, and there was given Him, Jesus, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Again, I don't want to come up here and tell you that, hey, one day a kingdom's coming and Jesus is going to be the king over it. I'm not saying that. Daniel, the prophet of God, just told you and me through the Holy Scriptures that this kingdom is coming and Jesus is going to be the king over this kingdom. Well, let me tell you what the Scripture also says about who is going to be that king. In Isaiah 66, verse 22, it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make, 
shall remain before me, said the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Speaking about Jesus. And it shall come to pass that from one moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. In other words, when this kingdom comes, it says from moon to moon or monthly and then from Sabbath to Sabbath, every single day, all flesh will come and worship the king. That sounds like a... That, that sounds like a pretty good kingdom. Everyone is going to come and worship. And what we're going to also find out, that this place on, well, it's going to be an earthly kingdom. We'll see that. Because when he rules and reigns, it's not going to be like it is today. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 11, it says this. This is speaking of Jesus. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Now listen what's going to be taking place on this earth. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The child will play near the hole of the cobra or the asp. And the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on any of that kingdom, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, let me ask, is that the way the world is today? Oh, I know. Man, you better not put a a lamb in, in the cage with a lion. All that is is dessert. And that's the way that's the way it is today. But the kingdom that is coming, there's not, going to, there's not going to be any death. As a matter of fact, when you go to the book of Revelations, you're going to see there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no thirst, there's no hunger. All of those things, the kingdom that is coming is going to be a kingdom that is perfect. The earth, it said, and you, re- you heard me read that where it says going to be a new heaven and a new earth, it's going, this earth is going to be transformed back to just like it was when Adam and Eve was in the garden. There's going to be total harmony on this earth. Now this is a very familiar scripture that we hear, especially at Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And it tells us there, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Oh man, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We recognize that this son, Jesus, has been given to us. Now, the Bible in, in 2 Peter tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. Okay? It tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. So when we begin reading this scripture right here, it tells us that a son is given, a child has been born. Let me ask the question. Has Jesus been born? Absolutely he has. But it's going to continue that verse and it's going to tell us who this Jesus is is going to be. And it says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Let me tell you, the responsibility of the government has not yet been put on Jesus. It says, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Has any of that happened yet? Man, no. They didn't call Jesus wonderful counselor, mighty God. When he was here, what did they call him? Blasphemer. They said that he had a devil in him. No, but the day is coming. Listen, the day is coming when Jesus is going to be the king over this kingdom. And it says, of his increase, the government of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. That day is that day is coming. That day is coming. We have not yet seen that day. So, we've got that to look forward to. Now, so we looked last week how Jesus came and preached to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And most of the nation of Israel rejected his claim that he was the Messiah or the Son of God. As a matter of fact, when you read in John chapter 1, it says, He came to his own but his own received him not. They rejected him. And Jesus told them in John chapter 8 that they were not a part of the kingdom that, they've been, that we've been talking about because of their unbelief. This is what it says in John chapter 8 and verse 42. And this is real good because Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day. All right? And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth, and I came from God, neither came I of myself, but God sent me. In other words, he's telling them, he said, listen, if, if y'all were of my Father, if y'all had a relationship with God, y'all would recognize that I am of God and that I was sent from God. Verse 43 says, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words, you are your father's the devil. There's a point that I want to make here when I say this. There are two people in the world today. You either belong to Jesus or you belong to God the Father. You belong to the side of righteousness and God recognizes you as a saved, born-again believer or you belong to the devil. Oh my goodness, Brother Wayne, you're being mighty bold. You're, you're leaving a lot of people out in this world. Uh, you're probably fixing to quote John chapter 14 and verse 6 where it says, No one cometh unto the Father but by me. So Brother Wayne, you're leaving out a lot of religions that don't recognize Jesus as the only way. No. Understand, I'm not leaving out... Y'all hear that? Maybe it's me. Brother Wayne, you, you're, you're being mighty narrow-minded. You're being intolerant. You need to understand, I'm not being intolerant at all. All I'm doing is quoting Scripture. That's all I'm doing. So, I want us to know this morning. I want us to know this morning. If you believe that you're saved here this morning and you were saved any other way than believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that He rose again three days later, and you, by what it says in Romans 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, 
If you were saved any other way but calling upon the name of the Lord, asking Him to forgive your sins and believing what He done on the cross for your sins, listen, you're not saved. I'm not saying that. That's what the Word of God says. I'm not being narrow-minded. The Bible is narrow-minded. The Bible says wide is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it because many people want to do it their way and they will not accept God's way. So what we're looking at this morning, understand that God has already made the plan for salvation. He has already had it. He, he, before the foundation of the world, was laid. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was our Savior. Before the foundation was ever laid. God knew that man would reject. And God just had a desire to love and have a relationship with mankind. So He was willing to give the sacrifice for that. So that's what we're looking at this morning. So notice this. <coughs> Notice this. Do turn turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. I want us to see this right quick. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12. Paul is writing to this church... In Colossae. And as he's writing this letter, this is in the first chapter. I still hear a few Bibles chain turning. I'll, I'll let you look. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. If you look in some other versions, you're going to see it says that God the Father has given us the, the qualifications to inherit the kingdom of light. Now who do you think is in control of the kingdom of light? Jesus. Now watch what the, the next verse says. Who hath delivered us from the power or the kingdom of darkness? So this is what he said. Listen, God qualified you to be in the kingdom of light. He saved you or took you out of this kingdom of darkness. So he moved us from this kingdom to this kingdom. And this is how he did it who hath delivered us from the kingdom or the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of my dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Listen, it doesn't say that we can, we can go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light any other way except through the blood of of Jesus. Only the blood is what it gives us the power to be saved today. It is the blood that was shed. Blood had to be shed for the remission 
of sins. In Leviticus chapter 15, it tells us blood is the thing that makes an atonement for our soul. It is the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. And we referenced this verse earlier, John chapter 20 and verse 30. It says, it tells us, not, not John 20, it's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6 where it tells us that uh, the, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. I'm telling you, the, this, the devil wants that to be preached. He wants for people to hear that the cross is foolishness. Because that is the only way. Only the blood provides remission for our sins. In John chapter 20 and verse 30, it tells us that John says, But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Now that was written right after the whole event of Jesus dying on the cross in the book of John. He said, These things have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And a host of miracles, a host of signs. Listen, there is no way that... Well, I guess there is. I was going to say, there's no way anybody could believe that Jesus was not the Son of God if they just understand and believe the miracles that He performed. But I guess people just do not believe that Jesus has done the things that he done. Listen to what it says in 1 John 5.13. He says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible tells us that we can know. So this is what I want to do right now. I want us in here this morning to understand and have confidence that you know, that you know, that you know that you are a child of God. And this is where this illustration came from this last week. I was... I have several people in my circle of friends that do not believe the same way that I believe. I have many people in my circle of friends that believe that if you are not walking the walk and talking the talk, uh, that you're not saved. In other words, if you start walking the walk and talking the talk, okay, well, you're saved now, but next week if something happens in your life, then you're not saved. And Well, I, 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 I I promise you, I don't understand that theology. I don't understand that way of thinking. I, I want you to know I was nine years old when I asked Jesus to save me and to cleanse me. And the Bible tells me that He redeemed me at that point in that time. And I've been saved ever since. And I want you to know there's been some times in my life that I have not walked the walk and talked the talk. You've heard me give testimony I worked at a little paper mill one time, and I had a man walk up to me. I told him, I said, i got to get my, my, my kids, my Sunday school class, i got to get a hayride together for them. It was around the fall of the year, and his eyes got big, and he looked at me, and he says, You teach a Sunday school class? I said, Yeah. Whew. I'd have never known it by the way you act and the way you talk out here. 
And I want you to know, there was time in my life, even after I was saved, that I didn't walk the walk and talk the talk. Let me ask you, did I lose my salvation? Watch this. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you want to really dig into a verse, you, you turn to this scripture right here and circle it, and then you go back tonight later on and read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says this, and you've heard this before. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? Now, this is talking about the saved person. Paul writes a letter to the saved people. He says, what? Know you not that once you became a child of God, the Holy Spirit came in and dwelled inside of you? The end of that verse says this, and you are not your own. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Do you realize that when you ask Jesus Christ to save you, you no longer belong to you. You belong to Jesus. He bought you. He paid for you. He purchased you. You don't belong to yourself. You don't have the power to take yourself away from God. He saved you. He paid the price, the blood price, a price that you couldn't pay. Do you think that you can now take away from God something that He purchased? I went, I want you to know this, I have read this scripture a jillion times and I want you to know it jumped off the page at me. This last week, God reminded me of a situation that I found myself in. I had a chainsaw. I went to Tractor Supply and I found this orange Husqvarna chainsaw. 455 Rancher. I think it was about $450. It was an expensive saw. I like big saws. I use I use a lot of I, I use a chainsaw a lot. But I want you to know that was that was an expensive purchase for me. I went to the bank. I took the money out of the bank. I went to Tractor Supply. I gave them the money for that saw. They handed me the saw, and I walked out the front door with that saw. Who did that saw belong to? It belonged to me. Why did that saw belong to me? I purchased it. I paid the price. It belonged to me. Now, I want you to know over the next probably 10 years or so, I used that saw, and sometimes I didn't take as good a care of that saw as I should. That saw, I had, I had to put a couple more chains on it. I had put more bars on it. One time, I left it on the tailgate of my pickup truck, and I had a trailer behind me. It fell off of my, my truck. I ran over it with my trailer. It broke the case on it. I took duct tape, and I had to duct tape it back. The handle was splitting and the screws wouldn't stay in it. So I duct taped the handle so I could still use it. That old saw looked pretty rough. But guess who that saw belonged to? It belonged to me. Why did it belong to me? I paid the price for it. I had bought it. So my, my daughter came and wanted to borrow my truck one day. And my saw was in the back of my truck. I asked her where she was going. She said, to Walmart. Well, do you think I'm going to leave my chainsaw in the back of the truck at Walmart? No. 
So I took my chainsaw out of the back of the truck and I set it in the carport over there so somebody wouldn't steal it. I went down the road and I went visiting and I came back about two hours later and when I walked up on the carport, my chainsaw was gone. Along with a ladder, air compressor, I mean, they, they, but my chainsaw was gone. The chainsaw that I went and got money out of the bank for and I purchased it. And listen, I know that chainsaw wasn't in perfect condition, but, but it was my chainsaw. And now the thief had come and took my chainsaw off of my back porch and now that chainsaw is in the possession of the thief that stole it. Now let me ask you this question. Who does that chainsaw belong to now? It still belongs to me. I purchased it. Do you know what John chapter 10 and verse 10 says? John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes into this world to kill, steal, and destroy, but God comes that we might have life and have it to us, have it more abundantly. I want us to understand that when we gave our heart and life to Jesus Christ, He bought us and He paid for us. We belong to Him. Now I want you to know sometimes the thief comes into our life and the thief tempts us. He sets a trap and we fall into it. And let me tell you, some of these traps are awful. Okay? Some of these traps are awful. I want you to know Satan has created some things out there that you try them one time and you know you shouldn't try them. You try certain drugs one time and you're addicted for life. And it's hard to get off of it. Some of us, some of us have tried recreationally to drink thinking that all oh, we have the power over it and have become alcoholics. And I want you to know Satan comes in even to the Christian's life and he desires to steal us away. But I want you to know if you've been blood-bought, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you belong to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that that's the way you ought to be living. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that God's grace wants you to live that way. If you have been blood-bought, if you are born again, if you are a child of God, and you are now living in the world, you are abusing the grace of God. He does not have a desire for you to be there. He tells us to walk in the light of His way. But rest assured, you've been blood-bought. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can remove me from the love of Christ? Neither height, nor depth, nor width. Nothing can take us away from the love that Christ Jesus, or the love or the cost that He has paid on the cross for you and I. Listen. Some people, some people abuse the grace of God after they have been born again. But I want you to know Jesus is crying for us to come home. The prodigal. The prodigal. He had been blood-born. But I want you to know he abused the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of his father. But what did he do? He came home. He came home. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Watch this. 
I want us to make sure that we understand who saves us. We do not save ourselves. He says, But as many as receive Him, to them gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood. In other words, just because your mom and daddy are born again, just because your mom and daddy are saved, don't think your blood kin to your mom and daddy is going to save you. Nor of the will of the flesh, just because your mom and daddy wants you to be saved, doesn't save you. Nor of the will of man, just because your mom and daddy wants you to be saved, or other people want you to be saved, or we, I want you to know we pray for many people on Wednesday nights to be saved. It's not the will of man that saves you. But, but of God. You are born of God. When you put your faith and trust in Him, when you accept that free gift, when you reach out and you take that gift into your heart and into your life, it is then that God saves you. You did not save you. God saved you. And when He saves you with the precious blood of Jesus then you're His. You're His. Let me just read a couple more scriptures about the power of the blood. But God demonstrated His love towards us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us since we have now been justified by His blood. Ephesians 1.7 it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now is Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from your vain conversations, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, was manifest in these times for me and you. There's only one way you're saved, and that's through the blood of Jesus. Romans 6 and 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. We are all sinners, and the wages of sin is eternal death. It says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This morning as we keep speaking about Jesus being the king, the Bible tells us he can deliver us from this kingdom of darkness into translate us. Our citizenship is changed. He translated us from the kingdom of darkness unto the kingdom of light, and that it was only through the blood of Jesus. My prayer this morning is that you'll hear this message and that you'll respond to it in a way that you receive Christ as your personal Savior if you've never done that. If you've heard this message this morning and you're a born again believer and you recognize right now my goodness gracious I just didn't realize all that he had to do to save me and here I am living like this God I want to commit my life to you from this day forward to be more faithful to let your light shine through my life because of what you have done for me my prayer is this morning that the Holy Spirit will speak using his word this morning to our hearts. Let's pray. Father, again, I just pray that you'll be pleased with the words that have been spoken this morning. God, I thank you so much for the presence of your Holy Spirit. You've already promised that 
that he's your spirit is here and is speaking to our hearts. These words that we've spoken from your word will not return void. We know that it is the power of your word unto salvation, and we thank you for that. I can't, I can't express how thankful I am for the sacrifice that you made for me. Uh, you've changed my life, and God, my prayer is that that will continue to take place in the congregation of this group of people as we invite uh, our friends and our neighbors to, to, to this free gift that you're offering, that they will continue to receive it in the days to come. We just want to love you this morning as we sing this invitation. Pray that we'll respond in a way that's pleasing to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's